0: Good morning. We are in a new sermon series this morning entitled Nobodies in the Bible. We're going to talk about some characters that may be new to some of you, uh, may be refreshing to hear uh, from others. Uh, But today uh, we're going to talk about a lady by the name of Abigail and her path of peace. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, I'm uh, just very grateful that when we cry out, you listen, that you are present among us. We ask, Lord, that as your presence permeates this room, that you will open our hearts and our minds to your truth that's found in your holy Bible. I pray that you'll bless this time we have together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most notable stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. Amen. I love the story of David and Goliath. And I believe that some of our kids could probably tell the story better. You see, when we first met David, he was a handsome and scrawny lad who wanders into a battlefield bringing his brothers, his older brothers, food while they were at war with the Philistines. David overhears this Goliath as he comes out with his daily taunt and he mocks the Israel army and he mocks their God. David is overcome with passion and offers to fight this giant. And he squares up to this battle-proven beast of a man with his giant sword and his heavy armor with only a sling and five smooth stones. And if you're like me, I am cheering for David. And he slings that first stone right between the eyes of Goliath, winning the battle for the lord and then everything changes for david right everything changes he has to leave his father and mother and he is now to be married to the king's daughter michael and we begin he begins a military career in his military career Rivals the king. Songs are sung about David. How he has slain his tens of thousands. And about the king Saul who slain only his thousands. Quickly Saul becomes jealous and tries to murder David. Many times. And when we meet up with David in 1 Samuel 25, he is not the same David we met when he held those slings and stones in his hands. He is a man on the run. He is battle proven. David in 1 Samuel chapter 25 is living in the desert with hundreds of of men and women, also on the run from the king. He's in this place called Carmel. And verse 1 of chapter 25 also tells us that a prophet by the name of Samuel had died. Samuel was the prophet who anointed David as king. And so these are dark days for David. He is far removed from the songs sung in his name. Chapter 25 begins in verse 2, or the second part of verse 1, that David moved down into the desert of Maon. Verse 2 says, There was a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel, And he was very wealthy. Listen to how wealthy he is. He had a thousand goats. He had 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But her husband, a Calebite, was surly and mean in his dealings. And while David was in the desert... He heard that Nabal was shearing sheep, and so he went with ten. He sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you in your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it's sheep shearing time, and when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they'll tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my young men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. And David's men arrived. They gave Nabal this message in David's name and then they waited. I'm sure that David and his hundreds of men and women must have kind of looked like raiders at that time. The desert of Maon was surrounded by an area that was plagued by desert raiders, some of them Amalekites that David would meet later. David was not like that. He looked after the sheep herders and came to Nabal in peace, asking for help. He really approaches this wealthy man in a vulnerable but also kind way. Traveling groups like the Amalekites, uh, they might have taken what they wanted. But David acted in peace. He offered peace. And he proved that he was different. Different from those desert raiders. And it's sheep-shearing time. That is a time of celebration and generosity. During uh, our, soup, uh, fun, our soup potluck meal just a couple weeks ago, we had so much soup left over uh, that the Wentworths wanted to take it down and feed, feed the homeless. Could you imagine if someone had said to them, no, throw that soup in the trash? We'd all be disgusted, Right? It's a time of of celebration for Nabal and his family. They have plenty. They have an abundance. And surely, surely Nabal would see these wandering uh, group of community and say, you guys took care of me. Let me take care of you. Think again. Because in verse 10, Nabal answers David's servants. Who is David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give them to men coming from who? Knows where. Whew. Nabal's argument is kind of sound on the very surface level, right? Why would he want to help out someone he doesn't know? David could be a serial killer for all he knows. It sounds like as dangerous as meeting up with strangers off a Facebook marketplace, right? But as we dig just a little bit deeper, we'll learn... Nabal knew who David was. Nabal knew that David was on the run from King Saul. Did you notice that he knew that David was the son of Jesse? I bet, because his wife knew, I bet Nabal also knew he was anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Nabal was taking a political stand against David, and would rather see him starve to death than help out a man on the run from King Saul. It's one thing to say, no, we can't help at this time. It's another thing to insult David like he did. David doesn't take it well. Look at verses 12 and 13. David's men turned around and went back, and they arrived and reported every single word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords, and David put on his, and there were about 400 men who went up with David, while 200 stayed back with the supplies. David and his 400 men are about to ruin a man's day. Come on. We actually learn a little bit later that while David was taking up arms, Nabal was holding a banquet like a king and very drunk. David, or I mean Nabal, had no idea what David was about to do. But his servants did. And they quickly responded and introduces us to the second character in our story, Abigail, Nabal's wife. They go and tell Abigail, Your husband has refused and insulted, and now David is coming with an army. And so she acts in haste quickly loads up a caravan of goodies. We're talking sheep, raisin cakes, wine, bread, and figs, Darren's favorite food. She and some servants quickly get out of town to try to catch David before he and his men arrive. She finds David, falls on her face, and gives the most incredible speech. Now listen to this speech. Read along with me as she brings peace to this situation. And it'll also help you understand that Nabal did know exactly who David was. Listen to the speech starting in verse 24. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you hear what your servant has to say. May the Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. He's a fool, and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I didn't see the men my master had sent. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed, and from avenging yourself with your own hands. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my master, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, because he fights the Lord's battle. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing to take your life. Listen to this. The life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away like a sling. And when the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and appointed him leader over Israel, my master would not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, please remember your servant. Oh, wow. What a speech. Abigail is a peacemaker. She accepts responsibility for the actions of her household. She supplies David not with just a little bit of food, but with an abundance of food. She pronounces blessings on him as he hides from Saul and acknowledges that David fights the Lord's battles. And the sling, she knows the story of Goliath. Let your enemies be taken over by the sling. She knows the story. And this compelling argument at the end don't have bloodshed on your conscience as you become king. Whew. Abigail, this nobody in the Bible found the path of peace quickly diffused a potentially life-changing altercation in household. And in doing so, she teaches you and me what it means to be a peacemaker. Jesus is the one who says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Listen, I think some of us have been working on the wrong definition of peacemakers A peacemaker isn't someone who is is absent from conflict. In fact, many times peacemakers are right in the middle of conflict. Abigail could have easily become a different definition of peacemaking by getting out of Dodge, right? Getting out of town. David's about to come and kill everybody. And she could have avoided the conflict entirely, but she doesn't. That would have been more peaceful for her, maybe? Avoid the conflict entirely? But when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's talking about people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty to bring about peace. And to be honest, that sounds a whole lot like Jesus Christ. Peacemakers take truth and humility and they bring them together. Peacemakers bring together truth and humility. The truth was that Nabal was a fool and his actions could have caused the unnecessary deaths of his whole household. If you look at verse 32 and following it, says, Not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive. David was not messing around. And Abigail knew that and applied that truth to David. And she came to David in humility. David probably would have been happy with just some bread and water. But she gives him an abundance She takes on the consequence of the whole household. The blame is on me, she said. She didn't have to take that blame, but she took the blame for the sake of peace. She brought a way of peace for herself and for her neighbors. And that's the second way that we sometimes mess up the idea of peacemaking. Peacemaking brings peace for everyone involved. A, a peacemaker isn't selfish and just bringing peace for themselves. We, we have this individualized the idea of peacemaking that it's what's best for me, but it's not what's best for me, it's what's best for the community. There's a story in John chapter 8 where Jesus is teaching in the temple, and a crowd, they gather around Jesus. The Pharisees saw this, wanted to catch Jesus, and get him in some kind of trouble. And so the Pharisees brought Jesus a woman that they had caught in the act of adultery. And they asked Jesus, should we stone her according to the law? And Jesus could have debated with them until sundown over Jewish law versus Roman law. But it wasn't about that, was it? It wasn't about bringing peace for the Pharisees. It wasn't about defending himself. There was a crowd gathered and an embarrassed woman trembling before them. And so Jesus says, yeah, let's go ahead and stone her. Everybody get in a line and the one who has no sin you pick up a stone and you are the one that will throw first. <laughs> Everyone now has to grapple with sin. The sin is no longer just this woman, but it's everybody. One more thought about peacemaking. Peacemakers offer a path of peace regardless of the outcome. Abigail had no idea how David would react. Can you imagine that trip with you and your servants knowing that this David has slain the tens of thousands? This is the same David who, with a sling and a stone, killed Goliath and routed the Philistines. And now she's got to plead her case and hope he doesn't cut her head off right there and then. She has no idea what the outcome's going to be. It could have turned south quickly. And peacemakers are not promised peace. Peacemakers are not promised peace. And Jesus is the perfect example of this truth. You remember the disciples had gathered for Passover. No one washed their feet. And so Jesus, he wraps a towel around him and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Remember he washed Peter's feet. Remember he washed Judas' feet. And as he breaks bread and passes around the wine, he proclaims the Lord's Supper in which we participate every week. And immediately after the Lord's Supper, Jesus proclaims, someone's going to betray me. The truth is they all did. But I remember it was Judas who spoke up and said, it's not me, is it, Lord? And Jesus says, woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. He gave him an opportunity to get out of it. And Judas leaves. He warns Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter. Peter betrays him anyways. And as he is questioned before Pilate and the high priests, he's alone. All his disciples have deserted him. And Jesus could have debated all day about why he was innocent. But do you remember what he said? Just like the Old Testament promised, he was silent. Kept his mouth shut, The only time he spoke up was when they said, well, are you a king or not? And Jesus speaks the truth. My kingdom is not of this world, he says. And he takes on the consequence of sin to offer peace between us and God. He did so with full knowledge that many will reject this peace He took on the consequence of sin, knowing that many in this world are going to say no to peace. And maybe you're one who've rejected that peace. The gift is free. The invitation is there. Please come and receive that grace. Or maybe you're one who've been avoiding peace with your neighbor. Jesus says, blessed is the peacemaker. Find a path of peace. Humble yourself. Offer truth for the sake of others. Become a peacemaker. And as we gather around the table this morning, we want you to reflect as our worship team sings. We want you to reflect on the words of the song as we worship and honor God. Let's stand together. I invite you at this time to go ahead and go to one of these three tables and get your cups as the worship team comes forward. Go ahead. I want you to sit and and reflect on these words about peace. Go ahead and have a seat as we worship the Lord together.